0: A mother, a son, and a life with autism. It's the At Home with Autism podcast with Q102's Jen and Jacob. He was six years, eight months old. He started throwing up right after dinner. I went downstairs to get the cleaning supplies because it was all over the chair in my bedroom. And by the time I'd come upstairs, he'd thrown up again. And he kept throwing up. And he kept throwing up for the next three hours. Mild fever. Seemed kind of puny. Then the throwing up slowed down a little bit. But it was almost like clockwork. Every hour on the hour, he threw up again. I had a bowl in the bed, and I just laid there beside him, sleeping, you know, in little spurts here and there, thinking this is, you know, a stomach bug, a flu. Maybe. There wasn't much of a fever, if any. I went to work the next morning, and he went to his dad's. Didn't eat anything. Drank a little bit of water, though, so I knew he was hydrated. Dad said he seemed okay, just kind of, you know, just didn't feel good. Meanwhile, I'm Googling all of his symptoms, of course, (laughs) and getting all kinds of different ideas about what might be going on. I decided a trip to the pediatrician would probably be a good idea. We made an appointment. We went. Doctor looked at him, felt his tummy. Jacob kind of reacted a little bit when he pressed on his belly, but the doctor thought, you know, his stomach is just, he's just tender there because he's been throwing up so much. Said it was a stomach bug and he sent us home. All this time, Jacob never complained. He never cried. He never whined. Of course, at this stage in the game, he wasn't really able to tell us anything. He didn't really have any words at that time that we could say for sure were words that could clearly communicate to us what it was he was feeling. So it was a guessing game, looking at symptoms, looking at his behavior, just trying to to figure it out. Me having a long history with hypochondria and and fear, two arenas that I excel in. I'd been online and pretty much convinced myself that this was appendicitis, but then the doctor said it was a stomach bug. Right, the doctor knows. Right, five o'clock that day. Just a few hours after seeing the pediatrician, Jacob refused water. He laid on the couch, didn't move, he curled up in a ball, and he moaned, and he moaned, and he moaned. I called his dad and I said, We're going to the ER now. We were living in Mason at the time. Children's Hospital, Liberty Campus, wasn't open yet, so we had to drive all the way downtown to Main Campus, which was about a 30 minute drive, and it was rush hour. And I sat in the back seat with him and just held him as he continued to moan and moan and moan. We get to the hospital. At this time, I had called every doctor I I knew, and, and they were waiting for us in the emergency room because we needed people down there who understood how to work with someone like Jacob, someone with autism. So the staff was ready, and they immediately started running tests. And it didn't take long for them to come back and say his white blood cell count is through the roof. And the next thing we knew, they told us that his appendix had burst and he needed to get into surgery. We had to get him to drink all of this thick, white, milky stuff. And this is a kid that didn't eat or drink anything other than this very, very small limited diet of maybe four things that he actually ate. I can remember just trying to get him to swallow it and what it took because there was a lot. 11 o'clock at night, he's in surgery. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know how long it took. When the doctor came walking out, he was taking off his mask and he was rubbing his eyes and shaking his head. Oh my God. Is there anything worse a doctor can do when they're walking out of a surgery that they just performed on your child, right? I think most every parent would absolutely assume the worst, but he told us he did great and he was okay and that he thought he got it all because, you know, the appendix can burst and Everything that was in there that was causing all of the poison basically leaking out into the rest of his system, he could become septic and that could be fatal. He thought he got it all. I've been told that appendicitis is one of the most painful things that a person can go through. Jacob never cried, never complained. And if he can withstand and tolerate and not react to the kind of pain that appendicitis brings, what else is going on in his body? That we don't know about. On one hand, you can look at it as a blessing. He doesn't suffer, right? He's not one of those people that gets a paper cut and screams for two days about it. right? (laughs) And then on the other hand, he can have an organ burst inside his body. And had we not taken him to the hospital when we did, the outcome may have been entirely different. Here we are 14 years later, and I don't know if that has changed his tolerance for pain. The only time I've seen him get really upset over an injury is when a kid at school accidentally punched him in the eye, and broke his glasses, and left him with a little bit of a shiner. And even then, I'm not sure that it was the pain that was upsetting to him. I think it was more just being stunned by being hit. And then his whole process of every time something new happens to him in his world, he wants to know, is this going to happen every day? Is this going to happen every week? Is it going to happen every month? Is it going to happen every year? Is it going to happen every time I see this kid? There's so many of these questions that runs through his mind. And he was, I think, more than anything, just scared he was going to get popped in the eye every day at school. I thought, you know, I think he thought it might be a new part of his routine. So spent a lot of time assuring him that that was a one-time deal, but you're not going to have to go through that every day. But even when he's sick, which is, which is rare, when he's upset, it's about missing school or missing an activity or missing something that he really wanted to do. I mean, even when he had COVID, he was upset about not being able to go to school. He was upset about missing the Maroon 5 concert. Didn't give me any indication Of what was going on inside of him. Other than what I could see. He had a little bit of a fever. His eyes were watery. And he had a cough for like a day and a half. Two days. But I don't know. Did he have a severe headache? Were there aches and pains? Were there chest pains? Were there any of the things going on that could really cause significant harm? I don't know. I don't know. I never know. This past weekend was a rare couple of days for us Jacob's a really sweet kid who has a pretty consistent disposition of just happy so when we have a couple of days where his reactions to things are a little more extreme than what i would normally expect from him or if there's more than one or two i always start to question i always start to wonder Is he not feeling good? Is there something that's going on? Is there something that doesn't feel right? I mean, I have trouble taking a lot of pills, a lot of supplements. My stomach will get upset. This kid takes a lot of supplements. I don't know if they're upsetting his stomach. That could be going on. There have been so many things that we've been told that he has going on inside of him. He had a type of Lyme disease. You know the kind of symptoms that that can create? The only reason we knew is because he had these these long purple marks on his hips that looked like stretch marks. But he was 12 years old. What 12-year-old you know, stretch marks? No, it was it was a kind of Lyme disease or a tick-borne disease. I don't even remember now. It starts with a B. I mean, I just think about all the side effects of you know, different medications. And, you know, we've we've had him on antifungals over the years. He's never taken anything like in the Prozac, Zoloft, Xanax family. Nothing like that. But other stuff. It's just so hard. You know, they say mothers of kids with special needs have PTSD. Yes. Because no matter how many classes I take, no matter how many books I read, no matter how many different tools I have in my toolbox for dealing with stress and anxiety and fear, When I start to think there might be something going on with my kid and it's so hard to figure out what that thing might be, I'm sorry. My stress and my anxiety goes through the roof. And before you know it, I think I'm the one that needs to go to the ER because I can't breathe. My chest hurts and I think this might just be the end. And then things really start to spin out of control because what happens when I'm gone? We stayed in that hospital for 10 days after his appendix was removed. It was five days before he could get out of bed. We put him in a wheelchair. Took him to the roof to get him outside for some fresh air. He lost a bunch of weight. His cheeks were sunken in. He had circles around his eyes. Brought him home and our life with autism changed. He may have recovered. I don't think I ever did. I'll keep at it. Because the tailspin that hits when the fear sets in is really hard to live with. Can you hear the cat purr? This is Will. (laughs) Out of all the cats I've brought into this house I worried about him the most, whether or not he would ever really want to be around people. I thought maybe he was going to be that cat that just kind of did his own thing, feed him, scoop his litter, and that's the extent of your relationship with Will. And now here I am, sitting in the basement, telling the story about the night that I thought I might lose my kid. And he's the one here sitting on my lap purring. You just never know, do you? How things are going to turn out. Just got to trust that it's going to be okay. Now, these are the things that I say to myself over and over again. I have no control over this. And you know, I uh, question that one sometimes. Because there are things that I could have pushed that doctor that day and said, no, I think there's more going on here. I could have taken him sooner to the ER. You know, all that kind of shit plays on my head. But ultimately, no control. Some of us are just wired for fear and anxiety. Well, I'm one of those people. And I know lots of other people just like me. And I know some people that this wouldn't phase a bit. I'll throw him in the car, take him in, have surgery. Woo! He comes out. Everything's good. Let's go home. <sighs> Wouldn't that be something? Right, Will? I know. (sighs) This is what I come back to. It's that whole belief system thing again, right? What do I believe? Do I believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes, I do. Do I believe that everything happens exactly how it's supposed to happen? Yes, I do. Do I believe that it's going to happen regardless of what I do because it's just supposed to happen? Yes, I do. Do I trust that the universe is benevolent? Yes, I do. Do I trust that the greater source, God, the zero point field, will always take care of us? Yes, I do. Do I believe that Jacob is so pure of heart that he will be most well taken care of? (laughs) Yeah. God, I hope that's true. Do I believe that whatever his journey is, is his journey and I can't do anything to change it? that's a hard one ultimately no but I think that I might be able to make his ride a little bit easier we're going to New York this week to see his doctor and I think that's why this is stirring up in me too because you know when you go to the doctor you got to have a list of things list of concerns what are you seeing what are you noticing (laughs) so I've been taking time to look for things and I have found some so I'll let you know And I will pack my crystals and my oils and I will do my best to remember that in the end, all I can do is love him with everything I've got and know that all is well. Thanks for listening to the At Home With Autism podcast. I'll be back next time with Jacob.